Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome into this edition of the Blue White Breakdown, presented by Penn State Health. That's Bob Flounders. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are talking NFL draft, Bob, and I'm I'm sure people have gotten more than enough coverage of what happened in the 2022 draft. We'll make mention of the fact that eight guys getting drafted is a pretty big deal, most since 1996 when I think it was 10. So um, a, a good draft for Penn State. Like I, I th- we talked about this last week, I think a lot of people connecting the dots saying this was a seven and 16, but that's neither here nor there. We're looking at 2023 and maybe if we have time a little bit beyond at some of the young guys on Penn State's roster who could eventually become NFL prospects. Uh, Bob, I'm not typically a big fan of 2023 mock drafts, and I think I'll serve up I'll serve up Rasheed Walker as a as a good case in point there. But I I do like talking about these guys who could make a move. Yeah, you know wh- right away. I mean they don't they don't wait wait very long. I think Dane Brugler, who I really do enjoy from the Athletic, had one ready to go either the Sunday after the draft or the Monday after the draft, and darn. We were we I think we actually mentioned the name Will Levis last week. He is number five overall on Dane Brugler's board. I bring that up because he's a former Penn State quarterback. Number nineteen overall was Joey Porter Jr. And to me, that's even maybe more fascinating than uh, Dane's selection of Will Levis. But I will say that I think Pro Football Focus had Will Levis in their top ten. So Will Levis is a popular popular pick. At this time of year, but Dustin, you're right, man. Especially with quarterbacks, I learned my lesson the hard way. I think it was the way too early. It was it was before Hackenberg's 15 season, so he had had one season with with uh, James Franklin, and it, the wheels hadn't started to completely fall off uh, yet. <laughs> and I think it, I think it was Todd McShay. They had him so high up in their mock draft, and I was like, oh boy. Uh, this is either going to go really, really well for the ESPN folks or really, really bad. And it did. So you, you got to take them with a grain of salt. The only sure things I know about, I think, next year's draft are that the Alabama quarterback and the Ohio State quarterback are going to go. They're going to go really, really, really quickly in the draft. They're unbelievable players. But let's pump the brakes on Will Levis and even on Joey Porter Jr., who I think is a, a fascinating player for Penn State, but he's still got some things to uh, work on. He he does. He does. And I think, um, you know, to, to focus on Levis a bit, I mean, the difference between Levis and C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young is that those guys have shown polish and they've shown uh, pure passing ability. Will Levis is a tools-based pick all the way. He's kind of, you know, he's what you want in a modern quarterback in terms of, you know, really high-level athleticism, can run it well, he's built well. When when he's kind of just dropping back and throwing it, I mean, he has an NFL arm without a doubt. It's just, you know, he didn't get the chance at Penn State. That's been talked about a lot just in terms of being a, a passer. Um, I think he I think he showed some good things at Kentucky, but didn't 
you know, I, I, I don't think he was, he was more of a running guy than, than a passing guy there, but he's got a lot of questions to answer before I would even consider a first round pick, but on athleticism alone, I get it. Uh, and then with Porter, you know, like, what do you do with the fact that he got so grabby at the end of last year? I mean, obviously that's something that has to get cleaned up and it's not a death blow by any means because you look at the arms and the length and the speed and I think his coverage ability, I mean, it's all there. Um, but I do think he's got to answer that question of being aggressive without committing all those penalties this year. Yeah, but I think, Dustin, if that's maybe the only criticism or the main criticism of Joey Porter Jr., then he's off to a great start uh, with one year to go at Penn State because that can definitely be coached out of a, of, of a top prospect. And, and, and he can also just learn with experience. But he is – you want to talk about a prototypical long corner. I mean, Amani Arawaria, who I still – I consistently get that name right, um, which is so weird because I get every other name wrong. Pickle, Greg Pickle could never get that name right. Um <laughs> He, to me, was, of all the James Franklin players, especially the longer corners, he was the standard. And he's, he's, doing, he's doing really good with the Lions. I think he was a two-time uh, All-Big Ten pick at Penn State, always could track the ball, was not grabby. I think he lasted to maybe the third or fourth round. But Porter is faster. He might even be a little bit bigger. He's got the NFL pedigree. And I, I'm almost positive about this, Dustin. You know, the Penn State program has been around a long, long time, and they're way up there on the list of programs with the most players drafted. I'm pretty sure that they've never had a corner go in the first round. Um, They've had some good safeties, but they're not known. They're not known for, you know, cornerbacks, especially, you know, because part of it was the way they played under Joe. Part of it was, you know, the sanctions under Billy O. But under James, they're getting more athletic at corner. And I wonder if Manny Diaz is going to feature his corners a little bit more in press coverage, which will be an enticement for kids to come here. But I don't know that they've ever had a first round corner. I'm still looking that up, but I got to go through like I got to go back to like the late 1880s. And I don't want to be because if I miss the guy, someone's going to point it out to me and I don't want to get judged. But I do think Joey Porter is interesting. And the other thing I was going to say, Dustin, is I give Will Levis a lot of credit for seeing the writing on the wall with James Franklin and how he how he views his quarterbacks. I thought he never got uh, a legit shot to play. I thought that maybe James committed to Sean a little bit too quickly after he struggled badly in 2020. I give Will a lot of credit for seeing it, for going to a school um, that was ascending in, in Kentucky and Mark Stoops, winning the job quickly, and then against SEC competition, you know, he played against that Georgia defense. He more than held his own, so – I think a lot. I think Will Levis has maybe kind of you, you, to use one of your favorite words, moxie, and I, I don't think he's scared of the competition at the highest level. No, he's not. And and uh, I, I pulled up his his stats from last year. In the meantime, and um, fourth in the SEC and and touchdown total touchdowns, fifth in completion, sixth in total offense. Uh, you know, ran it through it. You know, I, I think I think the makings are there. It's just, you know, how, how instinctive of a passer can he be? That's that's something that he can definitely validate and prove. And, you know, getting that SEC um, arena, getting that SEC competition has been good for him. And, you know, we talked about this last week, too, just uh, 
you know, the idea of committing to a quarterback. James Franklin, let's put it this way, is never going to be the guy who benches Jalen Hurts for Tua Tungabailoa in the middle of a national championship push. <laughs> you know, he's not going to be that guy. Right. That's right. And that that's what won the game for Alabama, though, ultimately. And I think, Sean, when we talk about the draft class in 2023, he's a name that's going to come up, and he's a guy that can really help himself if he takes a pretty big step forward in the fall. And not to be a doomsday guy or whatever, but next year at this time, a similar decision is going to have to be made at quarterback, where you have a guy, Christian Bayou, who's going to be a little further along, a little more polished, Less upside, let's say, than, than Drew Aller for sure. How flexible are you going to be? How are you going to go about making that decision in a way that uh, that is best for the program? Are you going to be more flexible this time around? Are you going to evaluate? Like, I think what you said about Clifford struggling and getting benched, it was clear very early in that process that this is a very temporary situation. Will Levis uh, was in there, and I don't think it was really a fair look and they didn't ask him to do a whole lot different either. So anyway, uh, Joey Porter Jr., first first round grades um, across the board. You mentioned a couple of them. So Dane Brugler from The Athletic, uh, Pro Football Focus put one out, Bleacher Report, CBS Sports. I mean, content season, Bob, never sleeps. Do you think they copy off each other? I think they do. I think they're, they're, there's a pretty popular line of thinking, and nobody really drifts from from that right now. You know, my minor modifications off some accepted truths and uh, nobody, nobody really gets too bold away from that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, I guess it's a comfortable situation because if even if they're wrong, they're all wrong. You know, I mean, no, but no, you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of risque picks, though, in early mock drafts. You know what I mean? You, you usually see 32 players, usually 25, 26 of them are probably going to be the same names in some different kind of order. Aren't mock drafts just so inherently hilarious? Like, I read them. I know, me too. Everybody knows that they're wrong, but you're still fascinated by by. I think it's just laying out possibilities of of what's going to happen, even though you know that they're not going to be right. I know. I think if we did uh, a way too early projection of, I think I we might have someone did a way too early projection of how many Penn State. Oh, I did one for uh, the combine, but I mean for the draft. If you did a way too early projection of how many Lions could go in next year's draft, you know, I could make a solid case for more than eight because of how well James has recruited. They have some draftable guys. The question is, are the guys that the, the guys that are on the fence right now that are talented, are they going to be household names by the end of the Big Ten season because they played well? And if they are, he could have he could have 10 or more guys drafted this year uh, in 2023. It's mathematically possible. Let's go down through a few of them. Let's do it. I, I want to hear yours. Did, did you guy? Did you go? Did you go from surest to least sure, or did you go alphabetically? What'd you do? Uh, I went with um, guys who are are prime candidates for the for 2023, and then some sophomore eligible type guys, and then younger guys, like a little bit more projectable guys. And I I think I did kind of put them in sh- more sure to least sure. So Joey Porter Jr. at the top. Um, Jair Brown will be will be fascinating because if he does at least what he do, did last year, um, I, I think you know he's a different type of prospect than Jaquan Brisker was, but I think the temperament is similar. 
Um, and I think the playmaking ability, sort of the game changing playmaking ability might even be a little bit more in Jair Brown's favor. So I think um, using Brisker as a little bit of a benchmark in terms of positioning is not such a bad thing. I, th- I think he moves as well as Daquan, maybe a little bit better. I don't know. Um, but if he has a nice year, I mean, he's he sh- I think early, early on day two looks like a pretty realistic situation. Yeah, and he, I think he was really torn about maybe coming out this past year. I think he would have got drafted for sure. I mean, if he, if he can stack another year like last year's, and he looks like he got a little bit bigger. He talked about in the offseason about being a little bit more of a factor in the run game, which I would agree with. I mean, as far as, as, far as being able to track the football, being in the right spot, not getting beat, he's got all of that down physically. I mean, he can run for sure. He's got great size. He is, I think he's... He is, you know, he is in the in the day two conversation uh, at Penn State for sure. That's usually a top 100 player. I'd say he's there right now and he could actually be a top 60 or top 50 player if he has another year like uh, if he takes a jump like uh, Brisker did. And, and Brisker went for number 48. Uh, so Brown, that, that, that will be a nice little target area for, for me if things go well. Adisa Isaac will be, will be interesting. I mean, he's not the same freak as Jason Oway, but if he's a hundred percent and he's healthy, he, he is going to, um, be a really captivating guy, whether he does or doesn't produce like Jason Oway, um, Odafe Oway didn't record a sack famously in, in 2020. Uh, <laughs> I thought that I thought there were some times where you know he he won his match. He just it just didn't ha- he just didn't get the quarterback to the ground. Um, I don't know. You know, Adisa Isaac needs to produce something um, because I don't think the mystique is quite there. He needs to prove his health. But if he has a nice year and, and puts that on film, puts that a- a explosive athleticism on film, wouldn't shock me if he's a guy who's more or less one and done as a starter. Yeah, he'll be in his fourth year. He was, you know, right below Brandon Smith in that 2019 class. Showed signs of it in 2019. He did not take a step forward in 2020, which I thought he would, but they played Tony and Owe a lot until Owe got hurt. But, yeah, and he's had already had – I think he said after the blue-white game it wasn't Achilles. He's had a serious injury. So when you've already known – when you already know what it's like to get hurt, I think you're even more anxious to leave college if you can have a positive year, you know, in 2022. But he's 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 been at Penn State for a while, um, and I do think you're absolutely right. Uh, let's put it this way: if he does not have a pretty good year for Penn State in the fall, I think it does not bode well for that defense. He's their most explosive edge rusher, and they need him to be a guy that you know it. it Dustin anymore it's not necessarily finishing plays with sacks it's it's how do you disrupt the passing game it's quarterback hits it's forced throws making the quarterback pull the ball down from his primary read it is tackles for loss I think more so than than sacks and even forced fumbles so if he had five or six sacks I I, I think that's a good number if you're you know close to double digits and tackles for loss and I, I think that probably the NFL and Penn State grade disruption a little bit differently than just you know uh forced fumbles tackles for loss and sacks i think they look at it a lot of different ways he certainly looked great in spring and i do think he is an absolutely a, a candidate to go in the 2023 nfl draft but he has played a, a lot of football and he he's going to be one of those guys that the longer you stay in college it's kind of one of those 50-50 calls if you don't have a great final year. And we you see it, you know, you see it with uh <laughs> I always I'm forgetting his name. The kid in 2006, Garrett Sickles. 
you know, he came out a year early after the 2016 season. It didn't really work out for him. You know, guys wait to come. Rasheed Walker, obviously, seventh round pick after having some knee surgery. It did not work out for him. You know, uh, Ryan Bates has got a job in the NFL, Dustin, but he did not go, I think, where he wanted to go in the draft. Sometimes you just say enough is enough with college. I'll take my chances at the next level, even if it means I have to start on a practice squad. Pretty good chance that Deza Isaac feels ready. If if he doesn't, if he doesn't get, if he's healthy, I think he's going to feel ready after 2022. Uh, PJ Mustafer, similar situation coming back from injury. Uh, I think last year what he showed Bob is that you know he is he can be a space clogger, but he can be more dynamic than that. And I think when you're talking about a guy who's 320 ish, you know that's what NFL want, teams want to see is how much more can a, a block occupier can you be? And I think PJ Mustafer showed the makings of being. Um, being able to get into the backfield, being able to kind of collapse that pocket. If that continues uh, again, and once again, if, if he picks up where he left off with his explosiveness uh, in the fall, you know, I, I think there's a good chance that he is, what do you think? Maybe like early to mid day three, you know, fourth, fifth round. I, I'm not sure where to, how to peg him yet. Yeah. Coming off, coming off the, the knee injury that was significant and, I was just looking at the draft class for defensive tackle this year. And once you got past the top two or three guys who are just explosive guys, right? They're just freakish athletes, like the kid from Georgia, uh, Jordan Davis, just, you know, running running what he did at the combine. But once you get past the top two or three guys, I think there's only probably 10 or 12 left in the draft that are probably draftable in the middle rounds. And I think PJ is one of those guys. The fact that he was voted second team all Big Ten and he – he didn't even play five games. That tells, and, and I think he was a coach's selection. That tells you, I think, what you know, what the Big Ten and, and the people that really study film thought of his play. So I really hope he gets close to a hundred percent back. I don't know if he'll be that way right at the start of the season. Yeah, he he seems to be like uh, early day three pick to me. And you know, in a perfect world, maybe he can go in the third round. Maybe he would have if he stayed healthy after 2021 but yeah I'm with you I don't think there's any way he won't get drafted his his brother Sam starts at center for the Bears he played at Notre Dame went undrafted and actually won the job uh, for the Bears after a couple years in the league I think I think the NFL is aware of how talented the Mustafa family really is this is the blue white breakdown welcome to Cureleaf a medical marijuana dispensary whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Two offensive linemen I want to throw out there, uh, Caden Wallace and Juice Scruggs. You know, it's it's tricky to forecast. It's tricky to pro- project. You mentioned last week, Juice Scruggs, probably Penn State's best offensive lineman last year, getting to move to center and maybe show that versatility. I think, you know, he's quick and athletic, and 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 you know, quick twitch enough that teams could see him in either in either position. So if he validates himself as a center, has a, has some nice tape last year at guard, that probably helps him a little bit. Obviously, you know, centers and guards aren't a premium position, so I'm not sure he'll be evaluated accordingly. And then with Caden Wallace, I think he too will be evaluated as an interior player. 
I think it's a huge year for Caden Wallace. They played him early in 2020. They actually made room. They moved Will Fries inside to make room for him. That tells you how much they thought of him. And I thought he had a pretty decent year in 2020. I didn't see it in 2021. I think both tackles took their lumps. And maybe it's just maybe it is a question of foot quickness. Uh, I think one of the reasons Rasheed Walker went to the Packers in the seventh round, he had the surgery, so that cost him, I think, in the draft. But also, I think they took two tackles before him in the draft. So I just wonder if maybe they see him as a guard, too. Um, I saw somebody had written about maybe he just isn't – he's because he's not that good in pass protection, maybe you kick him inside and give him a redshirt year for the Packers. They might do the same thing with Caden Wallace because I thought he was a guard prospect and they moved him to tackle. And I agree with you. Um, it's a big year for him, but he, his future could actually be inside in the NFL provided he's got to take another step forward. And Juice Scruggs, the only thing I would say about Juice is it sounds um, – Sounds funny to say it. He's made such a great recovery from that broken back, but that's still out there. And I wonder, I wonder how he'll do with like the medical check. Because when you have a significant injury, I don't know what the, the long term prognosis is for somebody that size playing that violent of a game, recovered from a broken back. But he's made a great comeback. He looks, he looks really ready to play even better this year. He looks physically stronger, and I'm excited to see him at center. They haven't really solved. The center position. I, I was really stunned how how badly Mike Miranda struggled last year, and I thought that Michael Mennett he lasted to the seventh round too, and I thought he'd go higher. But for I, I thought some of his better play at center was prior to his final year at Penn State. So they need to get that center position right. Uh, I do think you know Michael Mennett the and and Mike Miranda both the short the short arms you know that the the T Rex image that is in NFL teams heads uh, Juice Scruggs doesn't have that issue but um but it, it is an important year the medical stuff is worth pointing out now we would be remiss to not mention uh, the captain here Sean Clifford and how funny do you think it is for Pitt fans for for to think about Penn State fans being oh God I hope Sean Clifford's the next Kenny Pickett. <laughs> you know, I, I I hope I hope he's that guy, and that's that, that's a fair example. I mean, I, I think athletically they're probably pretty comparable. I mean, Sean Clifford is athletic enough to play at the next level. Um, he but he's 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 got he's got to have for more reasons than one. He's got to have a big year, and you know, I just find it funny that all the limitations he's shown on the field. He's got a business now called Limitless. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. I'm not picking on him, but like he, 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 <laughs> I did not see that coming, so that's why I. <laughs> um, you know, you know, Sean is gonna Sean's gonna leave Penn State with just about every record. And if you're an NFL draft guy, or you're just you're just looking at him, or you're a fan, you know, he's gonna have these really gaudy numbers. He's he's impacted the game as a dual threat. He's made plays with his legs. He is absolutely a tough kid, but. You know, this year, Dustin, they get Ohio State at home. They play at Michigan. They get to go to Auburn. Three huge dawning. He, at some point, um, you know, really when you look at his career, how many games against good teams has he really won? The one that jumps out to me is the Michigan game in 2019 where they got out to that big lead and held on for, it was 28-21. I don't know if the home win in prime time against Auburn last year Really counts. Auburn was a little up and down. Uh, he did have a good game, but if, he's going to be remembered, I think, for how he fared, especially late in his career against good teams. So whether it's Ohio State or at Michigan, 
you know, he's going to have to win one of those games or those numbers, you know, those numbers just, you know, they, they look good, you know, abstractly, but I think he's going to be remembered for how he fared in the big games while he was at Penn state. And that's all, that's still all to be determined. Mention some of the younger guys. Uh, let me just look at sophomore eligible. I believe they're all sophomore eligible. Um, Parker Washington, probably the number one receiver this year. I think on 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 film, I mean, he, he looks like he looks plenty draftable to me. He'll be he'll be three years into being a starter. I mean, there might be that doesn't have a whole lot left to prove. How about Curtis Jacobs, uh, Theo Johnson, and I think just for good measure, I'm throwing Kaziah Izzard at the end there because I'm very, I'm still very intrigued by him. You know, he's he survived, right? Like I, I, one of those guys, uh, I think it was Cole Brevard, isn't entered the transfer portal. You just do the math on this. They're going to want to. They have to play. They have, especially with PJ Mustafer coming back and being maybe a little bit limited early. They're going to have to play four defensive tackles. Tangelo left. Uh, Brevard left. I mean, who can they really hang their hat on inside? And I think Izzard, if you look at his numbers last year, they, the the more he played, I think the better he got. I think the I think Devon Ellis is a guy that they like. It would be nice to see. Patuma Mulba take another step forward, but I think they might be looking at some other guys as well. He does some things I think really good against the run. I don't think he's ever going to be uh, like a pocket pusher uh, versus the pass. I think he's a good he's a good name. I you know what? And I I'm still going to say it. This could end up being a great year for Nick Singleton at Penn State, and I think he's definitely got the talent. I still think Kevon Lee. At six foot two thirty five, that I mean, when they give him the ball, good things usually happen. If he gets it all figured out this year, they they give him enough carries and games. I'm not saying he's Hassan Haskins from Michigan, who I'm glad went, was drafted higher than everyone thought, but he is a guy that absolutely uh, can hurt people at the next level in the NFL. He is he is a big guy. He runs with power. Uh, he runs a little upright, but I wouldn't. I would. I would say that he is another guy that maybe, just maybe, if for whatever reason he gets 200 carries this year and has a good year, I think he would probably look to say, "Hey, I I had a big year. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get hit for a living, so why not give it a shot at the NFL?" I, I'm just saying he's he's my Kaziah Izzard. Let's put it that way. I think he's a guy that I would say has NFL caliber talent. Anybody anybody I'm forgetting there. The, the one guy I would say, see, da- Daquan Hardy, I just think he is, he's, he's just, I don't know if he's big enough to play slot corner, but he is, he is a very good college player and he's very good in Penn State's defense. Um, but the guy, the guy that I think that if you talk, if you want to talk about a guy for Penn State that could really, really uh, just burst out and even probably surprise 95% of the fan base, it would be Keandre Lambert Smith. Because he's he's a big bodied receiver. There were times where once he gets the ball in the open field, he's really really hard to run down. He gets behind defenders pretty easily. And I mean, Parker's going to get his numbers, but some other people. Uh, I like your Theo Johnson pick. Some other people are also going to produce with with Dotson out. I could see Keandre uh, Lambert Smith catching you know forty five passes, averaging sixteen yards a catch, and maybe finding the end zone half a dozen times. And he certainly has NFL measurable. So he would be the one guy, classmate of Parker Washington, where he could possibly be maybe one of the more surprising players for Penn State in the fall. And he could maybe be that Garrett Sickles like surprise player who 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 exits. I mean, it, it it'll be interesting because you know Parker Washington were to 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 exit, and if uh, you know Mitchell Tinsley will be gone. I mean, there could be a chance next year for 
for him to be the guy, but um, you know, you can never really predict these things. A few of the younger guys, I mean, obviously in year one, some of these guys not even on campus yet, but Nick Singleton, as you mentioned, uh, love the makeup, love the aggression, power, speed, all that stuff. Drew Aller, obviously a five-star guy, you know, the off platform thing is like a really chic skill set right now. And he's, he seems to have that, uh, deny Dennis Sutton, uh, carries himself like, like, like he's 35. I think they'll, they'll be, <laughs> they'll be leaning on him a bit and then surprisingly be leaning on Zane Durant a little bit. You know, I think, uh, he is part of that group. I mean, there's a pretty competitive layer of young defensive tackles, which ended up churning out Cole Brevard. I think Zane Durant's emergence kind of factored into that. Yeah, yeah. The other guy that's kind of in between in our in our measurables and our in our year classifications, Kalen King. You know, he's not he's not a true freshman, but boy, I'm telling you, this guy is definitely is definitely going to be an NFL player. I think he's going to be he's going to be one of the more talked about Penn State defenders in the fall. James James pretty much said it. The, he snuck it in there at the very end of spring, saying, "Yeah, he was a standout at corner, but he was so good." I thought the last month of last year. And when this, the spring tip off in 2021, when everyone was talking about him, much like Zane Durant this year, I mean, there's a reason why everyone mentions him. Kalen King, I think, uh, in the so it would be the uh, it would be the 2024 draft, right? So that's two more years away. Uh, I think he would definitely be a guy. He's a year older, a class older than Singleton and Denai Sutton and the guys that, and and Drew, the guys you mentioned. But he's not. He doesn't qualify for draft status in 2023. But man, I think he's a hell of a player. And, and I think um, the way that he closed last year should very much carry over into, into how things start this fall. Well, there you go. We're getting ahead of ourselves here on the Blue White Breakdown. That's Bob Flanders. Check out Bob on Twitter. He's almost he's almost rarely active there at Bobby Flow Seven. Uh, I, I like. I like to pace myself on Twitter. I really, I really, really do. I just, uh, I don't know about you, Dustin, but the people who live their lives on Twitter, it's, it's maddening to me. It's just, you know what? If it's, if it involves your job or you have a strong take in this, on this, in the sporting world, I don't want to know what you had for breakfast or whether or not, you know, you know, you saw something funny in the bar or you, you want to judge somebody on your flight. Like just, just, just stick to sports and try and be entertaining, but don't, I don't want to know about the rest of your life on Twitter. Not you. I want to know about your life, but those people that take it too far. And I think um, it can be a wasteland where before you know it, you have spent 15 hours there. Um, You know what I mean? And, and and that's, I mean, it's a great tool, but it's not what I would call a lifestyle. And I think you and I, the way that we, the way that we tweet supports our philosophies on this. Anyway, follow Bob there, follow up that he will pace himself, but he will be entertaining when, when the time comes. I won't waste my tweets. I will not waste my tweets. That's my promise. He he won't share his bagel with you, but he'll, he'll share some Penn State insight there. Uh, All of our written stuff at penlive.com slash Penn State football. And of course, this platform, the blue white breakdown anywhere podcasts can be found alexa apple google spotify stitcher youtube thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time here on the blue white breakdown this has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by pen live